Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Good morning, everybody. It's time to wake up. Right, Peyton? Right, Pay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's waking up slowly. Okay, A Series of Unfortunate Events by Lemony Snicket. Book the Seventh, The Vile Village. Do you remember what happened in the last chapter, Peyton? No, of course you don't, because you fell asleep. Because she fell asleep. All right, chapter three. What? What's the... Mar- oh, blah, 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 blah. oh my gosh, yep, here we go. Wasn't that marvelous, Hector said, as the crows stopped circling and began to fly like an enormous black cloud over the building away from the Baudelaire orphans. Wasn't that just marvelous? Wasn't that just absolutely super... I don't know what that word is. Superlative? Suplative? That means the same thing as marvelous, by the way. It certainly was, Klaus agreed, not adding that he knew what the word superlative means. Since he was, since he knew what the word superlative, superlative, I don't even know what that word is, you guys, means since he was 11. I see that just about every evening, Hector says, and it always impresses me. It always makes me hungry too. What shall we eat this evening? How about chicken enchiladas? That's a Mexican dish that consists of corn tortillas rolled around chicken filling covered with melted cheese and a special sauce that I learned my... I learned from my second grade teacher. How does that sound? That sounds delicious, Violet said. Oh, good, Hector said. I despise picky eaters. Well, it's a pretty long walk to my house, so let's let's talk as we go. Sorry, you guys, it's morning, so I'm drinking my coffee, so I have to take morning sips. Okay, let's see here. I despise picky eaters. Um... Here we go. Here, I'll carry your suitcases, and you two can carry your sister. I know you had to walk from the bus stop, so she's had more than enough exercise for a baby. Hector grabbed the Baudelaire's bags and led them down the street, which now, which was now empty except for a few stray crow feathers. High above their heads, the crows were taking sharp left-hand turns, and Hector raised his, raised Klaus's suitcase and pointed at them. I don't know if you're familiar with the expression, as the crow flies, Hector said, but it means the most direct route. If something is a mile away as the crow flies, it means that's the shortest way to get there. It usually has nothing to do with an actual crow, but in this case, it does. We're about to, we're about a mile away from my house as the fly, as the crow flies and all the crows fly, as a matter of fact. Oh, as all the crows fly, as a matter of fact. At night, they roost in Nevermore Tree, which is in my backyard. But it takes us longer to get there, of course, because we have to walk through VFD instead of flying up in the air. Hector, Violet says timidly, we were wondering exactly what VFD stands for. Oh, yes, Klaus said, please tell us. Oh, of course I'll tell you, Hector said, but I don't know why you're so excited about it. It's just more nonsense from the council of elders 
The Baudelaire's looked at one another. What do you mean? Klaus insisted. Well, about 306 years ago, Hector said, a group of explorers discovered the murder, the murder of crows that we just saw. Sturo, Sonny asked. We, don't, we didn't see any crows get killed, Violet said. Oh, murder is the word for a group of crows, like a flock of geese or a herd of cows or a convention of orthodontists. Anyways, the explorers were impressed with their patterns of migration. You know, the way that they fly up and down the, up and down the morning, the town in the afternoon, and over to Nevermore Tree in the evening. It's a very unusual pattern, and the explorers were so excited to see that that they moved here. Before too long, it the, a town sprung, and so they named it VFD. Okay, but what does VFD stand for, Violet said. The Village of Foul Devotees. Hector said, devotees is a word for people who are devoted to something. And foul means bird, Klaus finished. That's the secret of VFD? Village of Foul Devotees? What do you mean, what do you mean secret, Hector asked. It's not a secret, everybody knows what those letters mean. The Baudelaire sighed with confusion and dismay, which is not a pleasant combination. Well, what my brother means, Violet explained, is that we chose VFD because our new guardi- become our new guardians because we were told that it's a terrible secret, a secret with the initials VFD. Who told you about this secret, Hector asked. Some very dear friends of ours, Violet repi- replied. Duncan and Isidore Quagmire. They discovered something about Count Olaf, but before they could tell us anything more, hold on a minute, Hector said. Who is Count Olaf? Miss Morrow was talking about Count Omar. Is Olaf his brother? No, Klaus said, shuddering at the very thought of Olaf having a brother. I'm afraid the Daily Punctilio got many of the facts wrong. Well, why don't we get them right? Hector said, turning a corner. Suppose you tell me exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. In short of a long story, Violet said. Well, oh, it's sort of a long story, Violet said. Well, Hector said, with a, smi- a slight smile, we have sort of a long walk. Why don't you begin at the beginning? The Baudelaire's looked up at Hector and sighed and began at the beginning, which seemed such a long way off that they were surprised that he could remember it so that they could remember it so clearly. Violet told Hector about the dreadful day at the beach when she and her sibling learned siblings learned from Mr. Poe that their parents had been killed in the fire that had destroyed their home, destroyed their home, and Klaus told Hector about the days they spent in Count Olaf's home. Sunny with some help from Klaus and Violet who trans who translated for her told her about poor Uncle Monty and the terrible things that happened to Aunt Josephine. Violet told Hector about working at Lucky Smells Lumber Mill, and Klaus told him about enrolling at Proofrock Preparatory School, and Sunny related the dismal time that they lived with Jerome and Esme Squalor at 667 Dark Avenue. Violet told Hector all about Count Olaf's various disguises and about each and every one of his nefarious associates, including the hook-handed man, the two powder-faced women, the bald man with a long nose, and the one who looked neither like a man nor a woman, of whom the Baudelaire's had been reminded when Hector had been so silent. Klaus and Hector, or Klaus told Hector all about the quagmire triplets and about the mysterious underground passageway that led back to their home. 
and about the shadow of misfortune that seemed to hang over them nearly every moment since that day at the beach. And as the Baudelaire's told Hector their long story, they began to feel as if the handyman was carrying more than their suitcases. They felt as if he was carrying each word that they said, as if each unfortunate event was a burden that Hector was helping them carry. The story of their lives was so miserable that I cannot feel happy when they were through telling it, because by the time Sonny concluded the whole long story, the Baudelaire's felt as if they were carrying much less. Kayun, Sunny concluded, with which Violet was quick to translate, and that's why we chose this town, in hopes of finding the secret to VFD, rescuing the Quagmire triplets, and defeating Count Olaf once and for all. Hector sighed. Well, you've certainly been through an ordeal, he said, using a word here which means a heap of trouble, most of which was Count Olaf's fault. He stopped for a second and looked at each Baudelaire. You've been very brave, all three of you, and I'll do my best to make sure that you have a proper home with me. But I must tell you that I think you've hit a dead end. What do you mean, Klaus asked. Well, I hate to add some bad news, but to this terrible story that you just told me, Hector said, but I think that the initials for the quagmire that the quagmires told you about and the initials of this town are just a coincidence. As I said, this village has been called VFD for more than 300 years. Scarcely anything has changed here since. The crows always roost in the same places. The meeting council elders have always been in the same places every day. My father was a handyman before me, and his father a handyman before him, and so on and so on. The only new things in this town are three young children and a new foul fountain uptown, which we'll be cleaning tomorrow. I don't see how this village could have anything to do with the secret quagmires, the secret that the quagmires discovered. The Baudelaire children looked at one another and froze in frustration. Pojik, Sunny asked in exasperation. She meant something along the lines of, do you mean that we've come here for nothing? But Violet translated something differently. Well, what my sister means, Violet said, is that this is very frustrating to find that we're in the wrong place. We're very concerned for our friends, Klaus added, and we don't want to give up on finding them. Give up, Hector said? Who said anything about giving up? Just because the name of this town isn't helpful doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. We obviously have a great many of chores to do, but in our spare time, we can try to find all the whereabouts of Duncan and Isadora. I'm a handyman, not a detective, but I can try my best to help you. I'll have, we'll have to be very careful, though. The Council of Elders have so many rules that you can scarcely do anything without breaking any of them. Why does the Council have so many rules? Violet asked. Why does anyone have a lot of rules? Why does anyone have a lot of rules? Hector said with a shrug. So they can boss people around, I guess. Thanks to the rules of VFD, the Council, council of Elders can tell people what to wear, how to talk, what to eat, and even what to build. Rule number 67, for instance, clearly states that no citizen is allowed to build or use any mechanical devices. Does that mean I can't build or does that mean I can't build or use any mechanical devices, Violet asked Hector? Are my siblings and I citizens of VFD now and that now that our town is our guardian? I'm afraid you are, Hector said. You have to follow rule number 67 along with the other rules. But Violet is an inventor, Klaus cried. Mechanical devices are important to her. Is that so, Hector said and smiled. Then you can be a very big help to me, Violet. He stopped walking and looked around the street as if it was full of spies instead of, instead of being completely empty. Can you keep a secret, he asked. Yes, Violet said. Hector looked around the street once more. 
and then quickly leaned in and began speaking in very quiet words. Quiet words. When, when the Council of Elders invented rule number 67, he said, they instructed me to remove all the inventing materials in town. Well, what did you say, Klaus asked. Well, I didn't say anything, Hector admitted, leading the children around another corner. The council makes me skittish to speak. You know that. But here's what I did. I took all of the materials and I hid them out in my barn, which I've been using as sort of inventing as a sort of inventing studio. I've always wanted to have an inventing studio, Violet said. Without even realizing it, she was reaching into her pocket for a ribbon to tie her hair back out of her eyes, as if she were already ready to invent something instead of just talking about it. What have you invented so far, Hector? Oh, just a few little things, Hector said, but I have an enormous project that is near completion. I've been building a self-sustaining hair, self-sustaining hot air home, mobile home. Nabities, Sunny said. She meant something like, could you explain that a little bit more? But Hector needed no encouragement to keep talking about his invention. I don't know if you've ever been up in a hot air balloon, he said, but it's very exciting. You stand in a large basket with an enormous balloon over your head and you can gaze down an entire countryside below you, spread out like a blanket. It's simply superlative. Well, my invention is nothing more than a hot air balloon, except it's much larger. Instead of one large basket, there are 12 all tied together below several hot air balloons. Each basket serves as a different room, so it's like having an entire flying house. It's completely self-sustaining. Once you get up in there, you never have to go back down. In fact, if my new engine works properly, it will be impossible to get back down. The engine should last for more than a hundred years, and there's a huge storage basket that I'm storing, store, filling with food, beverages, and clothing, and books. Once it's completed, I'll be able to fly from VFD and the councils of the elders and everything else that makes me skittish and live forever in the air. My gosh, that sounds like a marvelous invention, Violet said. How in the world have you been able to hide this in, in, engine to get this engine to be so self-sustaining? Oh, that's giving me something of a problem, he admitted. But maybe if you three take a look at it, we could fix the engine together. I'm sure Violet could be of of help, Klaus said, but I'm not much of an inventor. I'm more interested in reading. Does VFD have a good library? Unfortunately, no, Hector said. Roll number 108 clearly states that library that v, the VFD library cannot contain books that break any of the rules. If someone in a book uses a mechanical device, for instance, that book is not allowed in the library. But there are so many, so many rules, Klaus said. What kind of books are, po what kind of books could possibly be allowed? Not very many, Hector said, and nearly all of them are dull. There's one called The Littlest Elf that's probably the most boring book ever written. It's about this irritating little man who has all sorts of uh, tedious adventures. Well, that's too bad, Klaus said gloomily. I was hoping that I could do a little bit more research into VFD, the secret that is, not the village, in my spare time. Hector stopped walking again and looked once more around the empty streets. Can you keep another secret, he asked, and the Baudelaire's nodded. The Council of Elders told me to burn all the books that broke rule number 108, he said in a quiet voice, but I brought them to my barn instead. I had the secret library there, so we have all the secret inventing, as well as a secret inventing studio. Whoa, Klaus said. I've seen public libraries, private libraries, school libraries, legal libraries, reptile libraries, and grammatical libraries, but I have never seen a secret library. 
It sounds exciting. It also makes me very skittish. The Council of the Elders gets very, very angry when people break the rules. And I hate to think what they'd do to me if they found out I was secretly using mechanical devices and reading interesting books. A Zator, Sunny said, which meant, Don't worry, your secret is safe with us. Hector looked down at her quizzically. I don't know what Zator means, Sunny, he said, but I will guess it means don't forget about me. Violet will use the studio, and Klaus will use the library. But what can we do for you? What do you like best? Bite, Sunny responded. <clears throat> but Hector frowned and took another look around. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't say that loudly, Sunny, he whispered. Rule number 4,561 clearly states that the citizens are not allowed to use their mouth for recreation. If the Council of Elders knew that you like to bite things for your own enjoyment, I can't imagine what they'd do. I'm sure we can find you things to find you some things to bite, but you'll have to do it in secret. Well, here we are. Hector led the Baudelaires around the last corner, and the children got their first glimpse of where they would be living. The secret they had been walking on the se- the street that they had been walking on simply ended at the turn of the corner, leading them to a place as wide and as flat as the country they had crossed that afternoon, or the countryside, with just three shapes standing on a flat horizon. First was a large, sturdy-looking house, with a pointed roof and a front porch big enough to contain a picnic table and four wooden chairs. The second was an enormous barn right next to the house, that kind of studio that hid a studio in the library Hector had been, that Hector had been talking about. But the third was a shape that caused the Baudelaire's to stare. The third shape in the horizon was no more was the Nevermore tree, but to simply say that it was a tree would be like saying the Pacific Ocean was a body of water, or that Count Olaf was a grumpy person, or that Beatrice and myself was not was not just a little bit sad. Oh, that the story of Beatrice and myself was not just a little bit sad. Nevermore tree was a gargantuan, a word here that means having a attained an an inordinate amount of botanical volume, a phrase here which means the biggest tree the Baudelaire's had ever seen. Its trunk was so wide that the Baudelaire's could have had to could have stood behind it along with an elephant, three houses, and an opera singer and not have been seen from the other side. Its branches spread out in every direction like a fan that was taller than the house and wider than the barn and the tree made every made me even taller and wider when I was sitting sitting in it. Every last VFD crow was roosting on its branches, adding a thick layer of muttering black shapes to the immense silhouette of the tree. Because the crows had gotten to Hector's house as the crow flies, instead of walking, the birds had arrived a long time before the Baudelaire's as the air was filled with quiet, rustling sounds of the birds settling in for the evening. A a few of the birds had already fallen asleep, and the children could hear a few crows snoring as they approached their new home. What do you think, Hector asked. It's marvelous, Violet said. It's superlative, Klaus said. A goofod, Sunny said, which meant a lot of crows. The noise of the crows might sound strange at first, Hector said, leading the way to the steps of the house, but you'll get used to them before long. I always leave the windows open when I go to bed. The sounds of the crows reminds me of the ocean, and I find it very peaceful to listen to them as I drift to sleep. Speaking of bed, I'm sure that you must be very tired. I'm, I've prepared three rooms for you upstairs, but if you don't like them, you can choose the other ones. 
There's plenty of rooms in the house, even if there's there's even room for the quagmires to live here when we find them. It sounds like the five of you would be happy living together, even if you had chores to do over the entire town. That sounds delightful, Violet said, smiling at Hector. It made the children happy just to think of the two triplets being safe and sound instead of Count in Count Olaf's clutches. Duncan is a journalist, so many so maybe he could start a newspaper. Then VFD wouldn't have to read all of the mistakes in the daily punctilio. And Isadora is a poet, Klaus said. She could write a book of poetry for the library as long as it didn't, she didn't write poetry about things that were against the rules. Hector started to open the door for his house, but then paused and gave the Baudelaire's a strange look. A poet, he asked. What kind of poetry does she write? Couplets, said... I don't know how to say that word. Couplets? Couplets? I don't know. Violet replied. Hector gave the children another look that was even stranger. He put down the Baudelaire suitcases and reached into the pockets of his overalls. Couplets, he asked. Yes, Klaus said. She she likes to write rhyming poems that are two lines long. Hector gave the young, youngsters a look that was one of the strangest that they had ever seen and took his hand out of his pocket to show them a scrap of paper of a roll that turned into a tiny scroll. Like this, he asked, and he unrolled the paper. The Baudelaire orphans had to squint to read it in the daylight of the sunset. And when they read it once, and when they read it once, they had to read it again to make sure that the light wasn't playing tricks on them, or that they had to read, or what they had read was just really on that scrap of paper in a shaky but familiar handwriting. For sapphires, we are held in here. Only you can end our fear. I think they might have found the quaggies. What do you think, Pei? The quag to the quag quag? Are you asleep again? Ay, ay, ay. This girl's gotta be wakey, wakey.